Welcome to Beef and Forage Roundup, on-farm research and demonstration with host Chantal McRae. This podcast is a production of Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiatives, created to share information with farmers, producers, and agriculture enthusiasts to showcase the important work that is happening at MBFI. Our podcasts drop on the first and third Wednesdays of each month. We will be sharing information through interviews with General Manager Mary Jane Orr, project leads for various projects, MBFI's team members, speakers from our extension events, industry leaders, and industry suppliers. This podcast will dig deep into on-farm research and field testing practices related to beef cattle and forage production and efficiency and sustainability of practice in the agricultural industry in Manitoba. We will be sharing information on upcoming training and workshops, field and farm demonstration tours, education materials, and events at MBFI, as well as producer profiles from around the province and information on their trials, challenges, innovation, and results. We encourage you to browse our social media accounts and website for links to more information on projects, upcoming events, and important deadlines. Information on our social accounts and website can be found following the show and in the show notes. As always, we encourage you to email us if you have feedback, questions, or topic suggestions for the show at information at mbfi.ca. I'm excited to sit down with Leah Rodvang this morning to talk to her about grazing management and balancing cattle performance and range health. Leah is a full-time employee at MBFI whose work is critical to the care of the cattle herd, cropping systems, and the research project work. Leah spends countless hours collecting and organizing data and completing final project reports. These reports can be viewed on the MBFI website where you can find out more about current and past projects, how projects are set up and implemented, as well as the results. Welcome to the podcast today, Leah. How are you? Hi, I'm good. It's nice to be here with you. Thank you so much for taking time to join me and to share your knowledge on grazing management. Before we jump into grazing, can you share a little bit about your history and background, especially in regards to your background in science and your interest in agriculture? Sure. I grew up on a cow-calf operation in East Central Alberta. It's very dry where I grew up, so moving to Manitoba was a bit of a change. My family has always really loved cattle and native prairie, so that kind of fueled me. I went on to study range management in my undergrad at the University of Alberta. I really enjoy the whole system part of range management, so thinking about the cows and the grass and the soil all as one big system. While I was at university, I had a few jobs that gave me some research experience. So first, I worked with the Battle River Research Group, which is a small organization in eastern Alberta that does a lot of things with variety trials, crop variety trials. The summer I was there, we also did a little case study with some goats for brush management, which was very interesting for me. That experience sounds like it would be so much fun. Oh, it was so much fun. It uh, was so different. Like I'd never really worked with goats before. Yeah. And then after that, I spent one summer working at the university with a bunch of different grad students. So I was learning a lot of things about not only collecting research data, but also how to put it in a record keeping system, mostly spreadsheets. 
And most of my career has been working with cattle, but I've done like that one tiny, tiny little bit with goats. And I've done a few months on a sheep farm in New Zealand. So got a little bit of experience with other grazing animals. So you've got a really good background then it sounds like in everything range management. And then it's really neat that you've had the opportunity to work with the goats and sheep as well. Tell us about your work history at MBFI. When did you start and what does your position entail? I started with MBFI in 2016. My position title is research technician, but I do a little bit of everything. I'm primarily (laughs) responsible for the data collection and record keeping. So especially for any like demonstration and case studies that are led by Manitoba agriculture staff or by MBFI, I see to like the day-to-day activities for those projects. So any sampling that needs done, I oversee that. I also oversee all the farm records, so records for each cow. We're part of the Verified Beef Production Plus program, so we have to have our standards at least up to theirs. I do all the grazing data collection, and I collect all the records for the fields, so all our seeding and haying operations. I do a lot of the work on project setup and maintenance, especially with regards to any technology we're using. For one of our projects with the University of Manitoba, we were using smart feeders on pasture. So they are a tool that you can use that measure how much an animal eats. And then they actually have a gate that will kick the animal out. So once they've eaten their allotted amount of feed for the day, it will kick the animal out. And as you can imagine, those require a fair amount of maintenance. The gates get worn out or the technology goes down. So I oversee things like that. I've been developing some of my skills in project design and reporting, especially as we incorporate more MBFI-led projects on site. I have kind of been overseeing the animal care program. So that includes the standardization of vaccination and treatment protocols so that all our staff are always doing the same thing. For example, for foot rot, we have one treatment protocol. And I have overseen the raising of off-project cattle. So that includes some planning and moving and record keeping. Every summer we have four to five young people on site that are at university or at college and I help guide them, teach them some skills and supervise them. So you have a lot of things going on in your day-to-day position. What aspect of your position do you enjoy the most? I most enjoy the learning, both learning new things for like new projects or for reporting. I did a lot of background reading this winter, but also learning new skills, whether that's cattle skills. I've learned a lot about low stress handling since I started. Research skills, how you're collecting and maintaining your data. As I said, I grew up in Alberta, so the plants are sometimes a little different here. It's been very exciting. So today we are going to chat about grazing plans and range management. MBFI has a cattle herd with a target of 150 pairs, which don't all graze together. Can you tell our listeners how you plan grazing for the entire year? Sure. As you said, we keep our cattle herd split. We have two sites. Our Brookdale farm is on a clay loam soil and it's very potholy, whereas our Johnson farm and First Street Pastures are more flat and they're a lot sandier soil, very much less productive. So we split our cattle between the sites. How we split them is kind of dependent on project requirements, but they're split at the moment almost in half. 
We have about 75 at our Johnson farm and just about 60 at our Brookdale farm. And then we are planning for the project. So beginning prior to calving, we make sure our groups are split approximately between the farms for what our summer grazing projects are going to require. For our calving season, we have a calving group. And as they calve, we move the pairs off into another pasture to keep the calves healthier and to manage our grazing. So we are trying not to overgraze too much in the spring. Usually the end of May, beginning of June, we are moving our pairs onto our summer grazing project. We usually have two main grazing projects, one at Brookdale and one at First Street. And they're usually there for the whole summer, but we may pull cattle, either pairs or sometimes our yearling heifers for specific projects. So sometimes we have projects that need to be very high density grazed, for example, prior to seeding. So that would be for like our cows and bees pollinator project. We had to do very high density grazing in mid to late May. So we were using our pairs for that. As we move into the fall, we go into some of our extended grazing. So we've been using swath grazing and stockpile grazing in the fall. And we've also been using a lot of small green feed bales. So we're using those. We just drop them where they're made and the cows eat them. The utilization is usually very good. And then there's less residue and manure left behind in one spot. For the winter, we combine our herd. We've had a lot of corn grazing for various projects in the last few years. We find that for utilization, to have all 130 or 140 cows together, it's a lot better. And it also gets them through that corn a little faster. And then the remainder of the year, we tend to go to a bale grazing or some kind of other extensive feeding. So they're still out on pasture, but they're getting fed bales. As with most grazing plans, I imagine that what you plan for the year and the actual movement of cattle and grass growth differs a bit from what you've planned. How do you record what actually happened during the grazing season and what beneficial information does this provide? I primarily use spreadsheets. That works well with like our research project um, data collection and it's easy to like tie the rotation to various research project requirements when you do it on a spreadsheet. We have been exploring a few other technology, pasture planning software, but we are currently not using any. I think the most beneficial information I get is an idea of our overall stocking rate and carrying capacity. So not just per pasture, but for the whole farm. I use our actual cattle weights and calculate the animal units. So that's just a way to standardize what each animal is going to be eating. So then I can use that to determine like how many pairs or how many yearlings might go on a certain pasture at a certain time of year. And having records from several years now is quite interesting because you can look and you can see the difference between a wet year or a dry year or a Mm -hmm. more normal year. And you can kind of track that. And that, I think, is really helpful in planning. Do you always start in the same paddocks and use the same rotation annually? I want to say no, but with a caveat. For our main big summer projects or for our off-project cattle grazing, we tend to try and change paddocks that we start in so that each paddock is getting a rest. And the grasses are a lot more easy to harm and overgraze early in the year because they're just getting their initial growth. So we try to switch that between paddocks. However, 
our calving groups tend to calve on the same paddock just for logistical reasons, right? Like you need to have winter water still. They start calving in April. They need to be close enough to bring them into the shed if there's a calving problem. So that is our one exception. But we try to make up for that by having a long rest period. So especially if it's a dry year, they don't get grazed again until the next calving season. What benefit does rotational grazing have in the work towards increasing the soil and pasture health? So I think the really important part of rotational grazing is that you're controlling where your cattle are. So that means that you can give plants enough rest. Overgrazing is what happens when a plant is grazed again before it's regrown enough. So rest is giving your plant enough time to grow. You want to have enough plant material above ground already so that the plants are able to regrow. So if the cows are only taking half of the plant, there's still leaf material that can photosynthesize and help the new plant grow. And they're not just using their root reserves. And we also want to make sure that our plants are growing enough and are able to put some reserves into their roots for winter so that they survive the winter and that they're able to regrow in the spring. Another benefit of rotational grazing that I think is really important, especially on our sites get very dry, the litter is providing some ground protection. We're getting better water infiltration, hopefully, and also less water loss through the soil. Can you explain a bit about how you manage grazing in order to balance the cattle performance and range health? Sure. So some of this is affected by our various projects, but in general, we like to try to control the graze a bit. As I said, that's one of the main benefits of rotational grazing because we want to ensure the adequate rest. We try not to have more than one week in a paddock. We have a few really big paddocks and we will split them with temporary fences for more cell grazing to ensure that the cows aren't going back and eating the same plants. If we're trying to move more frequently, I prefer to move every two days over every day. It seems to me the cattle are a little calmer and they don't get used to getting moved every time they see a person, which seems to help their overall levels of calmness. I've found personally that you get a better check when they aren't always so anxious every time they see a person. You get a bit of a check as they walk by you into the next grazing cell, but it just doesn't seem quite the same. I've also noticed that if we're on really, really short moves, like two to four hours, they tend to do a lot of laying around and they kind of seem to figure out that they're just going to get moved soon anyway. So they go eat like three plants and then they lay around. (laughs) Not nearly as efficient Um, in their grazing. Yeah, so it's kind of not always taking what we need them to do, which is the impact of the cattle in that area. In your experience, what would you say is the most challenging part of changing to a rotational grazing system from a more conventional grazing management style? All my experience so far has been like with rotational grazing. So I'm always moving from you know, like a quarter section to smaller grazing cells type of an idea. And I think the most challenging is to get the infrastructure ready. Mm -hmm. And then just to allocate the labor time, it's also a big challenge. What do you use for mobile water in your rotational grazing paddock? Well, we are lucky enough to have very extensive water system. 
So okay. our Johnson and First Street waters are run off of a well. For summer water, it's just like shallow buried and it will pump to all our paddock. We're not working on huge acreages. We're talking like four to 400 ish acres. So that's okay. And then at our Brookdale site, it's not buried. It's just on top of the ground and it's being pumped out of a slough, but we have like miles of water hose. So you're not trying to move hoses and bowls every move. No, we will be moving more frequently this year. And we're currently working on building some skids. One of our challenges, especially with the summer water system, is if it goes out, the cows will drink it down and then tip it over. If it starts again, it's just like trickling and running. So we're building these skids that will hopefully hold a 300-gallon water trough. And so they, the cows won't be able to tip it over because it will be heavy, but it will still be able to pull it with the quad. That is a really innovative way to deal with a challenge that has come up in your watering system development. Um, And I'm excited to take a look at those and see how they're working at MBFI. There's also rewarding parts to using grazing practices when you can see them making changes on the landscape. What is the most rewarding part of using grazing practices that you can see are improving the land and improving the soil health? I feel really good knowing that I'll have grass next year. I grew up during a drought. It started about 2001 and it didn't end till the spring of 2010. So I just always feel really good knowing I've got some stockpile and I've got some litter that's going to help with water retention and things like that. I get really excited seeing other creatures. So birds nests, we see quite a few birds nests if you're watching. And I just think that's really exciting knowing that you're sharing the land with other animals. And we have a few places at both sites that have some native plants and just from my education and from how I grew up, that always makes me really excited to see native plants thriving in the grazing systems. Thank you so much, Leah, for being on the podcast with me today. You have so much knowledge and experience that is valuable to share with our listeners. We do have some future episodes planned that you'll hopefully be joining me for. And I'm really looking forward to those conversations as well as we kind of touch more into some of that technology that's being used on the farm and some of the other aspects of the projects. Thank you for having me. For all of our listeners, here's a quick reminder for deadlines and extension event information. Don't forget to register for the upcoming workshops, July 6th, Health Check Your Pastures and Soils, and August 3rd, Diversify Your Grazing. For both of these workshops, you can register at www.mbfi.ca slash registration. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beef and Forage Roundup. For more information on the on-farm projects or upcoming extension events, please visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at mbbeefandforage. For full project reports and more information about MBFI, please visit our website, mbfi.ca. If you have feedback on the show, questions about content, are interested in becoming a project supporter, or want to submit a proposal for a research project topic, please email information at mbfi.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure you don't miss an upcoming episode. We've got lots to share.